What's going on, Flow Combaters and listeners around the globe? This is your man, Old Bo, Dwayne Finley, here with a, a man who needs no introduction, but I give him one every week anyway, Smooth Benson Henderson here on the Smooth and Bo Show. Uh, we're back. We took a little break. with uh, We had some personal reasons. We had some some trips, some things going on, but regardless, we we powered through, and we're back here for you. So, uh, Benson, I got to say, man, it's just, it's just good to hear your voice again. Yeah, it's it's good to be back. Good, good to do this again. I uh, I will admit I I kind of missed the the sessions. I think we missed uh, two weeks, so it was a couple sessions. Like, oh man, this would be good to talk about. This would be good to talk about. Oh, I I, I gotta remember, you know, to, uh, I'll talk about this or next or next show. Uh, so it was, it was definitely good to hear your voice and to to be doing this again. Yeah, you know, once you get like the bug, the podcasting bug, it, it stays. You know, I I can't. You know, we'll tell the, our, our our listening public that a lot of times would we'll, just be a, a text exchange between the two of us saying, "Hey, man, you want to do this tonight?" And then we're like, "Yeah, let's let's jump on this thing." So so yeah, you get the bug, and 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 in every experience, you're like, "Oh man, that could be good for the show, right?" Yeah, it's weird, like you said, getting the podcasting bug. Um, I never uh, was much of a podcast or listener or anything like that before um but after i'm doing some now i i'm starting to pick up on other podcasts and listen to you know what they're doing what they're talking about how they run the show and just pick up on on interesting cool things to talk about uh you know through the natural course of my day what would be something cool to talk about um whether it's you know MMA or, you know, this is not exactly an MMA podcast, but, you know, non-MMA things, just trying to pay attention to, like, oh, I think this is, this would be really cool, this would be dope, this this will, you know, work well, I think Dwayne would have a, a good, you know, take on this, and I think this, we could talk about this for a while, so it is cool getting that, getting that bug. And speaking of non-MMA stuff, uh, you, you made an announcement via social media recently that you will be having an addition to your family, man. How's that? First off, congrats. I mean, we've we've traded congrats over text, but, you know, this is our first time talking about it on air. So you already have one beautiful little boy. What's what's it like? Uh, what was the thought process and how do you feel knowing that you and Maria are going to add a, a second uh, a, a second baby to the mix? Yeah, man, we're we're super excited, super stoked. Um, my brother and I are uh, closer. We're like uh, 17, 18 months apart or so. Uh, so I wanted you know my boys to be or my kids to be you know closer together. Also, uh, they're gonna end up being twenty some months apart, so still pretty close, really close uh, together. So it's gonna be awesome. Just. Eventually, you know, them playing together and growing up and having fun and wrestling and beating each other up and getting on each other's nerves and all the, all that fun stuff, all the memories I have of uh, my sibling and I, my brother and I. Uh, so it's, it's actually, you know, really stoked to be able to announce that. It's, it's hard, you know, when you got to keep a secret, you can't talk about it. It's all the only thing you do want to talk about. Um, so it, it was a little bit tougher. We weren't, didn't go public, but we were telling some close friends and family. Uh, you know, a little while ago, and then wanted to, you know, make an official uh, announcement, an official post to let the public know, let the world know. And, and I'll tell you what, anybody who's never uh, seen Benson and Julius together or seen a picture of them, you wouldn't even guess that they were any bit apart. You you would have figured you guys shared the womb together, man. You guys look like twins, and I know you get that a lot, but, and I had heard that, and then when I, once, I, once I met your brother, I'm like, damn, dude. You guys look exactly alike, and I'm sure it doesn't look exact. He doesn't look exactly like you out of your eyes, but from people on the outside, yeah, man, he's like you guys look exactly alike. 
Yeah, we I, we have gotten that since we were uh, like two, three, or like forever. We've I've always gotten that about my brother and I about how um, you know we look like twins and we're so much alike. My mom, she always played that up when we were growing up. Uh, she always played that angle up, up a lot more and had us wearing the same clothes and dressed the exact same. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, we we looked exactly like twins. <laughs> well, I'll tell you this: as a man, as a father who has two children. Myself, I can tell you that uh, the congrats are real. Uh, the love I have for you and your family is real. But but it's such a different adventure, man. Like I remember with Zoe, uh, when she was a baby, we we baby proofed everything, man. We got like latches, all the whole nine that you can do. We decked this house out, uh, you know, to to make sure she was you know safe and protected. And then when Atticus came along, it just I think we realized that babies don't break and uh, and anything like that. And we just needed to have a mindful eye. And we we honestly didn't baby proof anything. We used like the old uh, the old hand cover on the corner, like if if little yeah, dude was you know yeah. cruising by a coffee table, you just <laughs> kind of put your dad hand out so like the he doesn't hit the corner. You know what I mean? Yeah. We, we, I, I, I do that plenty of myself. Uh, and it's funny because like, there's so many things you hear about being a dad and all the advice and all this and all that. And, and it's a lot of it, vast, vast majority is all true. You know, oh, you're going to love your kid this much and it's a whole nother story. And, you, you know, you love your kids and you won't believe how, how much it changes and yada, yada, yada. Like, and it's true. It's all true. Um, but like you're saying, though, yeah, like from the first child to the second child already, like we know, like my wife and I talking, Ray and I talking to ourselves, like things are going to do differently, things that we know we need to do or do more of or change. But like, we're like, yeah, we probably, you know, won't go as crazy with the baby proofing. We won't go as crazy with this. We won't go as crazy with that. There's, you know, much, the, the whole house is still basically baby proof uh, for our first son still. But like the little things we're going to change uh Parenting technique-wise, you know, as a parent, you're not as stressed out with the second kid or I'm third kid or fourth kid, I imagine. It's just, you know, you've been there, you've done that to a certain extent, so you kind of know what to expect. And I have, having a second child, you know, for sure, I think uh, her and I are going to be, <laughs> like most parents with a second child, you know, not nearly as strict. Yeah, and you know, you what's amazing, or at least what I found fascinating, was how much um, you know, with the first child, you know, it's like, oh, it's constant entertainment or you, you kind of have to keep a constant eye on because that's what they're used to and that's what they want. With the second kid, they learn so much from the older child. Yeah, and, and then you realize that the things that you, you know, you worked on, you know, tediously with the first, you don't have to work on with the second was They pick up language quicker. They pick up uh, gestures. They pick up all these little nuances so much quicker. And then, you know, uh, you know, mine are 13 and, and nine now in, in watching these, uh, these things like their drive and their, the way they set a standard for themselves. You know, it's just, it's, it's incredible, man. You know, and, and you and I, even though our, our jobs are different, our careers aren't that much different if you really look at it and you know it's just the the leaving and coming back and the you know we're doing this all for you thing and then to know that they understand it and they can verbalize it man I'm telling you it's 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 you're in for a special treat and and I know uh you know I've seen I've seen you guys around your 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 uh your little guy now man <laughs> he, he's awesome it's it's the best thing ever, man. You know, like you and I have always talked, Ben said about things that, like you know, things that define us. You know, when when you were in the UFC and, and rocking out those title defenses, you know, you you wouldn't let that define you because you were you champion defined you in a sense, but you were chasing something greater. And I think that at the end of it, you know, you're not 
you're not just a fighter or a champion or a, a contender or a challenger or, or, or a gym owner or, or a leader. You know, father and husband define you more than anything else, and, and I know I'm not wrong on that. No, I, I think for sure. Uh, I think the things that you allow to define you are, you know, you don't even have to be – a lot of people are not conscious of what defines them, but – I think uh, as a parent, uh, as a dad or a mom, like you need to be conscious of, you know, what defines you. Is being a mom define you? Is being a dad define you? Or is your job define you? Does your your hobby define you? Because some people have jobs, but you know they don't. Their job doesn't define them. Their entire, you know, all their coworkers, their bosses, they know that person as whatever their hobby is. So their hobby defines them. Uh, for me, yeah, for sure, I I don't want my job you know i love mma it's cool pays the bills i'm all about that stuff and whatnot but i don't want my job to define me if there's anything that's going to be to define me it will be you know <laughs> my family it will be my son my wife all, all, all my immediate family that uh, defines who i am if anything and you know uh you kind of touching on this other second part of like personal business and we'll get on to the fun stuff but you know speaking of that with you know family and the things that you take a look at you know my my mother uh passed suddenly a, a bit back and you know Benson you you reached out right away uh, when you found out the news oh, that yeah, first thing I did I wanted to hit you up and, and give you my condolences and just let you know keeping you and your family in my prayers for sure. Oh, absolutely, man, and that and that that means and, and you know that meant and still means the world to me uh, for our friendship. Yeah, but you know what? What's crazy is you know I look at things and I and I see that you know my parents. It's, it was a different generation. The way you know uh, you know they prioritize things and what came first and what came second. And I look at you know my life now, and that's pretty much what I've been doing for two weeks. And then. You know, I looked at the the response from the MMA community. You know, so many people reached out to to to, to send you know well wishes when they didn't you know didn't have to. These just like general you know kind of readers and things like that. And you know, it made me realize something, Benson. You know that for you know guys that you know we we sacrifice everything for this, and 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 we give so much to this sport for the betterment for legacy, not not our own, but just for this thing in general, uh, for it to keep moving. And, and, and we don't ask anything back from it. And then all of a sudden, when I needed it the most, you know, the MMA community was there for me. So I, you know, I, I wrote that that uh, article on Flow Combat uh, to say thank you because you know, you know, brother, all the crazy road trips, all the the, the outside the box projects I've ever done, they're not for me. You know, if I had it my way, I would just sit and mail it in sometimes and just, you know, do phone interviews and then write up some stories that didn't mean anything. But I but I can't do that. If my name's on it, you're going to get all of Dwayne Finley. You're getting every bit of heart I can put into it. And, and, and you know, it's great to see in these moments where people understood that. They understood that, okay, Dwayne is driving, you know, 5,000 miles to, to go to breakfast with Benson Henderson to – you know, to, uh, you know, go and sit with Ryan Bader or Luke Rockhold or, you know, anybody else to be like, okay, because that's giving us the look that we can't get anywhere else. That's giving us uh, a look of who Benson Henderson really is, you know, and to see the community really appreciate that, uh, you know, in that in that moment for me uh, was fantastic. And I know, you know, for all the sacrifices you've made and all the, the successes and, and setbacks or whatever happens that, I mean, MMA is there for you too in that way, right? Yeah, I think absolutely. I think the re- the whole uh, point you're making of having that uh, response uh, from the MMA community, from from friends, from fans, from fighters, you know, from the whole nine. I think that 
is directly because of the kind of person you are and the kind of uh, you know heart and soul you put into your work. And, and same thing with my job, with what I do. Uh, you know, similar aspects in our job. I put my heart and soul into what I do. I, I put everything, all of myself, into what I do, uh, and that shines through, and that and that shows, and that's the the kind of response that you get. The kind of response that I get from the. From from the fans, from my family, uh, from my training partners, they know, you know, they, they go through with it, me, they go through it with me uh, every day, uh, through all the fights, the ups and downs, uh, and that's why I think I get such a positive response from, from fans, uh, from family, from training partners, from everybody, uh, you know, along the same lines as, as all the, the, the fans and the friends reach out to you after, you know, having your mom pass, uh, suddenly. And you know, man, for as long as I've known you and have admired your, you know, your work as a as a fighter, I've never once seen you ask anything in return of MMA. You know, you've just said, "Hey, I'm I'm on this path, I'm on this journey, and this is where this is where I'm going." And you've let you've let that you've let the world in. You know, for as long as I've known you, and and you've never asked because as humble as you are, I'll say it, man. You're 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 a selfless dude, man. You ask anybody. That, that that trains with you, that knows you, you know, uh, it's not like, oh, here comes, you know, UFC lightweight champ Benson Henderson in the gym, it, you know, man, like, if it's, if, if a guy showed up, and he's 2-0 and as a pro, and he was helping you put in work for your next, for your next fight, you're right back in the gym on Monday, uh, helping him out, man, and I think that's what makes what you and uh, uh, Coach Crouch are doing at the lab so special. Oh, thank you, man, I think that's definitely a uh... Some guys don't do that. You know, they operate differently. They have more of a, a traditional, I don't know, uh, boxing training mode uh, model where they just bring in guys from other places and they just have, you know, um, they worry about themselves. And the, uh, it works for some guys. And, you know, it works out well for a lot of guys. Uh, uh, but the whole team aspect, I am all about that. I'm 100% behind that. If I, you know, if you're on the team – if you're battled through and you sweat with me and you bleed with me and you help me live my dreams, I'm gonna help you. Let you, I'm gonna help you live your dreams. You know, so I, I to me, uh, it's all about that that family uh, team aspect. You know, we have a saying at my gym, the MMA lab. You know, all, all these other guys, all these other fighters, they have teammates. You know, what, what I have at my gym, I have brothers and sisters. Uh, so that that to me makes the biggest difference. I want to sit back when I'm 55, when I'm 60, I want to tell stories to our grandkids and, and be telling these outrageous stories about when we were freaking 25, 30 years old and how cool we were and how badass we were and sit back there and telling stories about, you know, Yahtzee Meza, um, about Tequino Mendez and I'm just sitting around having a good time. Um, you know, uh, I, I look forward to that. That's That's what our team is about. And, and then you're like, yeah, just stay away from Uncle Joe Riggs. He's a little crazy sometimes. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll have plenty of uh, Uncle Joe stories. <laughs> and and there we go, man. So there you go. The I know uh, to our listeners, we we always say we don't get into MMA much, this and that. Uh, but Benson and I are both guys who come straight from the heart. Uh, and, and you're gonna get the the real every time uh, every time you run into us or see us. So we had to touch on those little things, and now we're gonna get back to the things that you show up list to every week. Because Benson, we got there's a lot of stuff going on in the comic book world, brother. Not only did Wonder Woman release to amazing numbers, but we got the Black Panther trailer and the uh, first look at uh, uh, the Defenders on Netflix. Yeah. 
I thought it was uh, pretty exciting. I actually was able to, uh, even though, you know, uh, we had to get a babysitter uh, and get some extra things done. My wife and I were able to make it out. Actually, believe it or not, we made it out to go watch Wonder Woman. I went to the drive-in to go watch it. It was a good time all around, a good date night. But I was able to watch Wonder Woman. Uh, I was a big fan of it. I thought they did a great job. I don't know the true ins and outs of uh, Wonder Woman. I can I can admit that I'm I'm over Marvel man. So I can I can admit I don't know all the details of the story uh you know background of Wonder Woman. Uh, but from just watching the movie and then some of the details I do know of Wonder Woman, I thought they did a great job uh setting her up and and that was the best, I would say, DC movie that I think can port- portray or go along next into a, another series, another franchise, uh, played into a series where, you know, that style of uh, a Wonder same thing as how Marvel did. They have the Captain America, then Iron Man, then a Thor, and then you have your big Avengers one. I think that one was the best of all that for the DC version, for the DC universe, and having a good, solid, great movie. Now they need to follow up with another great movie, another great movie, then have a big, you know, Justice League movie or something like that. Yeah, the the Justice League is, uh, I believe, in the can and and will be coming out. I think it's next spring or summer, or or maybe it's Christmas. I'm not sure if they want to compete with Star Wars or not. But but I haven't had the chance to see Wonder Woman yet. But the the reviews, brother, have been uh, spectacular. The reviews have been. Uh, have have put it up there amongst some of the the, the greatest superhero movies of all time. So my my question is this, and it's not so much of a question, more of a just kind of a, an opening to a thought from you. You know, there we have as males, we have plenty of male superheroes and females. There's very few in that regard. So I think it was very important in this day and age that Wonder Woman come out and, and, and make the statement that it made. And when you look at the reviews, it seems like it's really connected to, uh, to, to that aspect. Did you get the feeling, you know, walking out that it was not only a great superhero movie, but, uh, that it was an empowering movie for women? That was actually one thing I did want to touch on. I did want to talk about it's so hard with, uh, even in books, a lot, a lot of times books, um, will have, uh, you know, not be as well received or not quite hit the blockbuster New York Times bestseller all that stuff not be as big as they could be because they have a, a female lead in the books and you have books nowadays that are slowly starting to break that down like Hunger Games or um, like Wonder Woman you know having a female lead but who can still connect with the vast majority of you know people who their demographic are not just women you know but uh, female character lead but then the the demographic they're aiming for is still men 18 to 36 who are doing most of the buying who are spending most of the money so you still you got to be able to connect with that demographic and wonder woman i thought did such a great job of being able to have men guys of that age connect to a female character i think they did a, a great job of that um showing her you know, desire to help people. She saw uh, in the movie. I want to give away no, you know, uh, spoiler alert, nothing like that, nothing crazy. But she saw, you know, people, women, children being hurt, and she wanted to go protect them. And they just did such a great job of portraying that that feeling that men have when you know everyone has it. And you see someone hurting, you want to protect them, you want to go help them. And they did a great job of showing Wonder Woman like, hey, these people are hurting. We need to go help them. Like, what's wrong with you people? We need to go help these people right here. Uh, and I think that helped 
men connect with the Wonder Woman uh, character um, in the in the DC movie they just did. I think, uh, yeah, just just the connection part of having men be able to connect with her character. Uh, they did a great job, and uh, hopefully, for sure, I think it empowered a lot of uh, girls, a lot of women, and that they can be strong too. It is okay to be strong, like in the you know new modern age. You know, strong is good. Strong is is strong strong is you know powerful positive like it's being strong being powerful as, as a woman as a girl is not a bad thing in any way shape or form now now your wife maria is a, is a, is a tiny in stature but all badass uh you know uh undersized and overhearted you could you could say um did she walk out feeling like uh, was she on cloud nine ready to ready to kick some ass on the way out of that theater uh, she was a little bit. She was a little bit. She, she during the movie because it was the driving. You know, we we could get a little more animated. Her and I talk uh, all the way through the movies uh, in general. So the driving is good for us because we can talk without annoying the people around us too much. And uh, you know, she was getting all feisty uh, sitting in the back of our car uh, with the trunk lid or trunk popped up and sitting in the back tailgate area um she was getting all feisty all worked up during the movie it was uh it was cool to see that seeing her connect to the to the woman woman character as well now another trailer that well not another but a trailer that came out that got uh the nerd our nerd world just straight buzzing on fire was the black panther teaser uh you know it was our first look at wakanda you know the you know teasers are, are are short for a reason, but man, I I watched that I must have watched that thing eight or nine times, Benson. I mean, did you get a chance to check it out? I did check it out. I did check it out. I'm a pretty big Black Panther fan, so I actually do know some of the details, some of the the storyline, the back the background of uh, you know King T'Challa, uh, Black Panther. So uh, I thought of what they released and how they showed it. Oh man, it got me all sorts of worked up and excited to watch that. I think they um, it looks like they did a great job trying to explain the history of the country and where it came from. Uh, you know, that's that that's all you know fantasy land um but i think they did a good job of explaining that and, and showing why you know wakanda was thought to be a you know third world country and really it's you know a technological you know advanced way past you know where we are in america yeah man and i thought the way they they worked uh, t'challa in civil war you know they made him a uh, an intriguing and fascinating character uh the the, the vibranium when they when they introduced that with you know the uh, Captain America shields made of this, and then uh, you know the the metal actually comes from Wakanda. You know, and then we get to see you know in that teaser trailer his suit is bulletproof, and uh, just it was just all around great. And I think it's going to set up a, a fantastic movie. But again, that you know we talk about how Marvel has a kind of a bigger strength of using those characters and setting them up right. And I just thought that you know the way they worked in the uh, uh, the the Black Panther and Civil War was flawless. The same way they took kind of an offbeat character like Bucky Barnes or the Winter Soldier and made him great in that Captain, in that second Captain America, and again in Civil War. Now, you know, I was I'm not a big Cap guy, but man, I got to tell you, the the Ed Brubaker, uh, uh, he wrote uh, the Winter Soldier storyline, and I, that and that brought me right back into it, man. I, I think you know, matter of fact, Damon Martin still has my my trade paperbacks of that, but but yeah, man, it, it like it, it was great like espionage writing and to see how they they brought you know the winter soldier kind of full flush 
in Civil War was great too, man. I, you know, it's a balancing act. It's a delicate balancing act, and it's hard to run these ensemble things. So I wonder now, you know, Wonder Woman and the and the the way they the way the way that's popped has given me more help, more hope for the Justice League. But I'm still kind of I'm still kind of stranded a little bit, man. I, I I don't know. The Avengers set the bar really high, and I think the Justice League is you know is 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 against all odds pretty much. Yeah, I think um I I'll. I'll reserve judgment on the Justice League and, and how it does. Uh, I think the Batman versus Superman was, you know, for most people, eh. For some of the hardcore fans, they really liked it. For some of the hardcore fans, they really hated it. And then for everybody else, it was uh, more like a meh. Uh, Wonder Woman, I think for sure, is, is top of the you know heap so far for DC. Uh, I do have high hopes for, for Aquaman. Uh, we'll see how that goes. They have a, a great actor in uh, Jason Momoa to to run with that. Hopefully, they do as good of a job with Aquaman as they do with uh, Wonder Woman, um, Black Panther. I, I think uh, they did a great job introducing just enough, a little bit to whet the appetites of the casual fan. Is who is this character? What, you know, what, what's he all about? What, what's what's this? What's this? You know, uh, you know, uh, Wakanda country and this and that and how, how, how come he's so strong how can he run so fast so that they did a really good job awesome job in uh, the Avengers and dropping uh, Black Panther I think that uh, it's it's hard with you know cop movies there's so much history there's so much uh, information to get across you can you, you can get all the information across in one movie in two hours uh, time but then that's just too much information it's information overload you got to save a little bit you got to drop a little information here drop a little information there reveal this big secret that all the hardcore fans nerds and geeks already knew about but the casual fans didn't know like what oh my goodness um so I think I think it's just really tough and and how much to give how much information to give uh, what to reveal um, but with Black Panther, I think they did just enough, uh, like you said, with the Avengers movie of you know dropping this character, and, and he had a, he had not like a major role, but he had a good good sized role, you know, uh, to help portray it into his own uh, feature film, uh, Black Panther. When that comes out, it'll be. I'm hoping it's you know, I hope it's great. And you know, for you know, switching off the the silver screen onto the page, you know, Black Panther. Has has enjoyed some spotlight lately because uh, Pulitzer Prize winning author uh, Tanishi Coates, you know, took over the storyline and, and ran his own run, and and, and I and I've kept up with that as, as much as I possibly can, and it, and it's been fantastic. So you know, it's it's long overdue to see this character get the 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 shine he deserves. But like you said, it's you know how many. That's the reason Batman movies. Every Batman movie shows, you know, uh, Thomas and Martha Wayne getting shot in the alley. You know, we've seen that a million times. Let's, let's touch on the important parts, get to this current story, and then you can use the next couple films to kind of trinkle in other things from the, from the background because, you know, I think Jack Kirby created the character, you know, seven, 60, 70 years ago. So there's a ton of, there's 70 years worth of material there to, to dig into. Yeah, again, like I said, that's the... The problem, there's so much good content to, that you want to share. You want to give people, like me as a fan, I want to, I want to give this issue to people. Like, no, no, read this, read this. No, again, now read this issue. No, no, you got to read this one. Then you got to read these three. Like, there's so much information. There's so much good, cool, awesome, amazing content to give. But you can't give too much. You can't give everything. 
there's always, you know, not reboots, but there's always reboots in the comic universe where they started to kind of start over. There's the X-Men, you know, first generation, X-Men second generation. There's a reboot of the X-Men first generation, and they included this character. They didn't include this character. So uh, all of that, you have to take in the right context. You just can't give all that information because then people are like, oh, no, that's – that just doesn't sound cool at all. It's, it's a little bit too much. It's a little too too much information, too much, you know, I have to sort through and this person really that person and this person took it with this person and they had a kid. What? I don't understand. I don't get this. Uh, so, yeah, that's a hard problem, uh, especially with that kind of a character having 70 years of, you know, good, amazing content that people love that were, you know, bestsellers and that sort of stuff uh, to go through. It's It's tough. It's tough. You know, and one thing that I definitely, uh, you know, how you said earlier in the show how, you know, you you see something or you think something, you're like, man, that would be a great little bit for the podcast. I definitely had one of those uh, this past week. I watched I watched Logan again. Uh, I watched Logan again, you know, from home, and kind of had more time to zero in on it. And one thing that I really I caught in the first viewing, but one thing that really stuck with me in the second viewing, and I need 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 to get your take on it. Is I loved. I thought it was brilliant the way that they worked in the X Men comics into that Logan movie because it showed like like Logan. You know when she would uh, when X twenty three. You know when he would take the comic and he'd say you know no this this stuff didn't happen or you know some of it did but then they blew up the rest of it. You know we we talk about on this show a lot how. You know, the best superhero movies are ones that humanize the characters and make them believable. So what we're seeing in in these comic books is that some of the adventures we've already seen on the screen, well, that happened in that that world, and and that's become a a very well-known thing. But then, you know, they took these adventure comics and they kind of expanded on it. But I thought it was brilliant to kind of link that gap. You know, what what were your thoughts? Oh, I thought it was super smart. I think it was kind of a... Not is is a, a, a ironic joke. I, I I'd say you know like them portraying themselves, their own comic. It's you know art imitating life, imitating art is what it is. You know, so I, I think it was super smart, super snarky kind of uh, of of them to do that. Um, and I think they did a a really good job of of doing that, but not you know where it was too much. And like a slap in the face for the casual fan, we're like, "What? Well, forget you guys. I'm not going to watch this movie. I'm not going to support you guys. You guys are going to tease me and laugh at me and make jokes at my expense, um, but just enough to where you know the casual fan got a good joke out of it. All the hardcore fans are like, oh yeah, that's awesome. That's it's so true. It's you know, art imitating life, imitating art is is what it is. Uh, them making a joke about comics that you know were years old and then blown up and made way more you know fan fantastic uh, than they really happened all that sort of stuff so i thought that was really good and as far as uh, the logan movie i like uh portraying that scene you know that theme uh they also did a good job with uh some of the the big characters like caliban uh who you know they not messed up on on the Calvin's character, but you know he's supposed to be a mutant tracker, but he wasn't like old and feeble. But it was the future, so. Um, but yeah, they they did a good job. Uh, I thought the Logan. I thought that that little ironic joke they played in there was was perfect. Really, just perfect. Yeah, and you know it, it had that like kind of nod and wink to the hardcores, but it also served a practical purpose of moving the story forward in a way. You know, I mean she. You know the 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 nurse that was taking care of her. 
you know, they had come up with these coordinates from this this comic book. And you know whether it existed or not, it existed to them as a as a meetup spot. So yeah, I like I was kind of sitting there afterwards, going, man, I, I don't know why that kind of like kind of skimmed over, uh, you know, while I was you know watching it the first time, but the second time it it really you know really hit home because of our conversations on this show. You know how we talked about how Christopher Nolan you know makes these super, these superheroes you know or these these characters you know he humanized them more and made them more relatable. And I thought that that really tied into that, like that humanity link, you know, for how we would tell stories if if, if something like that happened, and you know, uh, there was so these, you know, superhumans running around and doing these things, and then you know, it's kind of the way folklore. So I thought folklore kind of expands, I, and I thought that was really cool. And then at the end, you know, the uh, when they're when they're, you know, not any spoilers, but if you haven't seen Logan by now and you're listening to this podcast, and you you need some help, but. Um, but yeah, you know the the little boy at the end holding the action figure and the and the you know the yellow and uh, the yellow and blue that because that was the thing right they for every for even though Hugh Jackman did this character like fourteen times on screen there was always the push from the hardcores to see him in the old you know the the dark yellow and and maroon you know or uh, bright yellow and blue you know and we kind of got that in a uh, in a secondhand sense. Yeah, again, uh, having that yeah, like you said, having that uh, action figure in the classic Wolverine outfit, uh, classic Wolverine uniform was definitely a, a good you know, uh, like you said, nod and wink uh, to the hardcore fans. But hey, you know, you want Wolverine in the in the in the in his classic uniform? Well, here you go. So that that was definitely well played by by the the director and producers on that part. Yeah, and I loved how when he was sleeping, you know, the kids, the kids cut his uh, his side, his beard down, <laughs> so he would look more like what they thought he would look like. That's again another Easter egg or a little nod and wink. But you know, uh, staying on the theme of ensembles, there was also the trailer released for uh, Netflix original. Uh, I think the I think it's August eighteenth. The De- the Defenders uh, season debuts, and if anybody who's not familiar, the Defenders consist of. Uh, of Daredevil, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, and Jessica Jones in this installment. There's been other installments, but those are the the, the four to go with. I have watched, um, you know, I've seen the first two seasons of Daredevil. I saw part of Jessica Jones. I saw Luke Cage, and I only watched a few episodes of Iron Fist. But again, like we talk about how delicate it is to kind of handle these ensembles. The uh, from what we see in the trailer, it, it, it looks it looks like it like it has some hope. You know, uh, have you got a chance to check out that trailer? And if so, what what what's your thoughts? And if not, you know, what where do the defenders sit in your team of uh, all time ensembles? I, I love the defenders because they were way more real, way more downer. I did see the the, the teaser trailer. Uh, I saw a quick part of it though. I didn't, I wasn't able to watch the whole thing. I was uh, just scrolling through and then boy was yelling or something something came up so i didn't get a chance to watch the whole thing but i saw a quick part of the the, the teaser trailer where they're all in the elevator oh that was dope oh, that was awesome um i think uh i love the defenders because they are real down to earth actual like way more humified like way more you know actual people that hurt that bleed they're not you know invulnerable like yes luke cage has steel hard skin but like he's not you know can just fly they're not superman they can't just fly around and blow up buildings with a single you know blast like they're way more down to earth so i i love that about the defenders 
but I wasn't. I don't know too too much. I, I I was an old school fan of the Power Man and Iron Fist. Luke Cage in the comics uh, was originally called Power Man, and then they realized that was kind of a <laughs> uh, too much for the name, so they changed it. Just gave him his regular name, Luke Cage. Um, but I was the old school original, uh, you know, collector um, of the old comics from like nineteen seventy something. Uh, Power Man and Iron Fist. I have a bunch of those originals uh, at home. I took my time over the years and, and bought, you know, an issue here, an issue there, a couple issues there, that sort of a thing. Um, but uh, I don't know a whole lot about the Defenders as a whole, but I do know a lot about Power Man, uh, Iron Fist, uh, Heroes for Hire, uh, Jessica Jones, all those storylines. But the Defenders themselves, I, I don't really know a whole lot. So I'm excited to see what they have in store for us. You know, and I, I'm admittedly more of a Daredevil guy. You know, uh, one of my, and in, in not to... Uh, you know, uh, prop up. I know this actually, I was going to say Ed Brubaker, but I think it's actually Jeff Loeb is, uh, when he did the color theme, you know, like, uh, he did, uh, uh, Daredevil Yellow and, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, and Captain America Blue, you know, like, uh, books that were based off theme, based off, like, emotion that associates with that character, and, you know, with Daredevil, he's the man without fear, and yellow would be the, the color of cowardice, so to see how they dug into the, into that specific, element in his in, in this one-off was great so you know i i have a lot of hope i love what netflix is doing with their original programming but i was just having this conversation tonight that uh about this thing and, and what uh and what and what my uh my my friend suggested was you know with all like civil war had you know so many like kind of uh not super important guys but like there's other offbeat people there you know like uh say ant-man and you know they, they played their parts and whatnot but why not have, since it's all Marvel, why not have, you know, Ant-Man or, you know, Black Widow or Hawkeye, you know, appear somewhere in here? I know with, like, Daredevil, they try to connect it by showing the newspaper thing of the Battle of New York, you know, to kind of tie in the universes together. But I really think if they just stopped by and kind of bled some of these characters through, it would really help kind of tie in and pull in the fact to viewers that this is all happening in the same universe. This, these are uh, these are all people that exist in the same realm, and I think it would really flesh it out more. What's your what's your take on that? I think for sure. I think uh, the studios or the big money people behind it who are in, or the, maybe the reason why it's not going to happen. You know, this studio owns rights to this. This studio owns rights to that. Marvel has a right to to this, but then Sony has a right to that, and all that sort of stuff. Um, but if they did in a perfect world all come together and were able to have, you know, Spider-Man swing through, uh, the, um, you know, Netflix Marvel universe, I think that would do a great job and people could see like, Oh, Hey, they're, they're actually, yeah, that's right. Spider-Man is New York city. Daredevil's Hell's Hell's Kitchen, New York city. Like, yeah, they're right there. They would interact. They would have, you know, you know, be have the same common enemy, and they would have you know stop at the same store, or, you know, whatever it is, whatever you know connections that they have. People could see how the Marvel universe works, and some of the the greatest storylines in, in Marvel are when you have you know crossover uh, titles, when you when you have the uh, storylines that cross from one title to another title to another title. And that way you have not just, you know, the one, two, three, four characters, but then you have, you know, this great, huge, big storyline that connects all of the characters in some way, shape, or form uh, to this common storyline. I think they could do that. Uh, you know, I, I think they, they try to do that, 
you know they're they're doing that with their uh, like you said ensemble um, of all the individual Marvel movies with Thor and Captain America and Iron Man and then doing the Avengers together, but they try to cross formats and that was a super super awesome smart idea with the Agents of Shield. I don't think the Agents of Shield was done super well. I was a big I was a big fan of it. I did like it a lot, but I think they could have done a lot better with the Agents of Shield. Um, but they try to do that on different platforms, you know, the movie platform to the TV platform. I think they need to cross that same barrier and go to the to the Netflix platform and, and just connect all of it and have one big storyline connect, like not all the time, but every once in a while where you have that one big storyline, drive them all together and they're all fighting the common this bad guy or that bad guy or whatever the case may be. You know, I think that would be that'd be dope if they could do that. Yeah, and that's what I think made, you know, Infinity Gauntlet or Infinity War, you know, the 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 most popular or like is considered the, you know, the goat of, you know, of uh of events, you know, in 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 comic events is because all of those heroes were, you know, together. It didn't matter if you read, you know, Fantastic 4 or you read X-Men or you read Spider-Man. They were all there together fighting against Thanos and, and yeah, it, it it, that's a great point. Yeah, and it brought them all in, and that's why I'm so interested to see what, what these uh, these next two or final two Avengers movies uh, are are gonna look like, you know, because you know from what you mentioned earlier with Sony and Fox and all those things, you know, they're they're you know Wolverine and some of the X Men played a huge part in Infinity Infinity uh, Gauntlet, and you know as things stand right now, the, they won't be able to to be a part of it, just like they weren't uh, a part of Civil War. So you know, I, I have my I have my hopes up. But I definitely think that Netflix would be a, a great place to keep grooming that that you know those characters up till they're kind of not ready for prime time, if you will. Because you know we saw how Daredevil and I, I liked it. You know I'm one of the few people, I guess. I, but I like Ben Affleck. I I don't think the uh, the first Daredevil movie was such a stinker as everybody thinks. It's just because maybe it's because I wanted to see that character brought to the big screen uh, in, in that way, you know, and, I, and I'll pretty much eat up anything comic that they, they throw at me. But now, now that we have so much selection, I mean, I admit I was a little slow to pick up on Iron Fist. And, you know, I, I, I watched the first se- the first series of uh, Daredevil like, you know, a rabid fan. And the second one, I, even though I love The Punisher, I was a little bit like, yeah, you know, because the Kingpin wasn't in it, you know. So I thought that... Uh, that that was a uh, kind of a letdown. So you know, now that we have so many options, we can kind of pick and choose a little bit. But but I I have a lot of hope, and you know, and, and I know you do too. Yeah, I I, I will. I have to admit, um, just like you said, it reminded me. I have not seen the Iron Fist uh, Netflix yet. Um, the series I heard. Uh, I, I heard. I haven't heard the greatest reviews. Um, and I did see the I did watch the Luke Cage uh, season one, um, and it did not hold up to my expectations. But maybe because my expectations were so high, anytime you have such high expectations, it's hard, you know, a lot of times to live up to those expectations. Um, but Daredevil was great. I love Daredevil. Netflix's Daredevil was was amazing. I actually did like the first Daredevil with Ben Affleck as, uh, as Matt Murdock. I understand. I can appreciate the fact that it was not a, a blockbuster hit. It wasn't a huge, you know, um, uh, mass market hit for, for a lot of people. And I can actually understand where they're coming from with, with that aspect, but I did like him too. I'm a big Ben Affleck fan. So maybe that that's the reason why. Um, but 
Yeah, Netflix Daredevil was uh, amazing, was great. Jessica Jones was amazing, was great. Luke Cage kind of let me down a little bit. I still liked it, but I think I liked Luke Cage more because I'm such a huge Luke Cage fan, a Power Man fan from back in the day. Um, and Iron Fist, I'm, I'm almost not wanting to even give it a shot because I, I'm afraid I'll be let down that much more. But because my bar could be so low, of expectations for Iron Fist. Maybe I do watch it and I'm blown away. Maybe I watch it like, hey, this is actually pretty good. I thought it was gonna be terrible. It's not too bad. It's not great, but it's not it's not terrible. So I might give Iron Fist a try. Um, still kind of on the fence about that. Uh, we'll see. And you know, it's I think a lot plays into the, how Netflix does things. I mean, you know, I, I remember the first weekend. I mean, the the day that Stranger Things came out, uh, you know, became available. And I, and I just clicked on it because anytime it says Netflix original, I'll, I'll give it a I'll give it a little bit. And I remember just hearing the like the synthesizer music, uh, the the first scene where those boys are playing Dungeons and Dragons, and I was in. And I watched the whole thing in, in a weekend. And and my wife was so pissed off at me because you know we watched things together. You know, like we just finished the leftovers, and you know we you know every couple has their show. But this really, oh, yeah. I I thought this I thought this was an exception though because it wasn't really our show, just something I found and would start raving about. And she's like, "Well, wait for us." And I'm like, "I'm eight episodes in. I ain't waiting for nothing." Which one is that one? You said Stranger Things. Which one is Stranger Things? Stranger Things. That's the one with uh, uh, Winona Ryder's in it. It's the one where you know the uh, four kid, the one kid disappears because there's a uh, a demon or whatever that gets released back in, like gets kind of comes through a time parallel, and then the little girl was being raised uh, kind of in the lab because she had psychic powers, or, and they and they just called her Eleven, and she connect to it like the upside down. Did you, did you watch this or or do you have? I think I think. We- I think I started actually did start the um, the first episode of that, and then it was it was something my wife would also like. So actually, I did do the right thing. Actually, I got bounty points for it for doing it. I waited. Uh, we still haven't got back around to it, but I watched started the first season, the first episode. Like, oh, this is really good. Actually, this looks like some you know brand I like. So I actually waited, and it's on our queue now. It's in our list uh, to watch later on, um, but. That definitely looked uh, looked pretty awesome. Netflix does the Netflix originals. They 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 do it up right. I haven't watched a Netflix original yet that I was uh, disappointed in watching. Oh, absolutely. And and if you if you ever take my advice on anything, you need to get back and watch that season because the second season comes out on Halloween. And uh, and yeah, man, it was just just top to bottom. It became a you know a big cultural hit. Just and and I think it's because of the nostalgia, man. The way they played on it, you know, it's kind of like uh, the the you know not giving in anything away, but it, it's like if Steven Spielberg and Stephen King sat down, and it's like Goonies meets it or something like that. You know, it's like it, it's. It, it it blends. There's there's certainly horror aspects in there, but just the the way those kids performed, it definitely had that Spielberg fi- you know feel because no director in the history of film has ever gotten more out of child actors than Steven Spielberg. I mean that's what makes you know those movies so lovable, like The Goonies and whatnot. You know. Oh yeah. But so definitely you need to watch that. So you know there you go, folks. Uh, well you know that's that's our entertainment portion of it. But as we're getting along here, there, there's some some news I want to chop into uh, my co-host here uh, because you know we talk a couple weeks you know here and there about when he's getting back in the cage. But I, I heard today at a flow meeting that uh, that that Benson's going to be uh, 
uh, competing again soon uh, at, at, a, at a flow event against a guy who is not very well liked in the jiu-jitsu community. So uh, do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, man. Yeah, I definitely got to pump it up. Uh, fight to win pro, whatever number it is. Fight to win pro uh, coming up June 24 or 23, something like that, um, against a kid named kid, a guy, a kid named AJ. As I don't want to pronounce his last name. As a gram or as a garm or something as like that. Gram, yeah, something like that. Um, I that was my actual hesitance. They offered me him. They threw his name out there. I was like, oh yeah, I'll I'll match up against AJ, but. Every match AJ has, there's always some sort of freaking snafu going on. He's getting punched in the head or he's getting kicked in the back off the mat platform or he's getting slapped or straight up punched in a, in a grappling match. Uh, but like he's the common denominator. You got to realize, hey, hey, if this guy, I had a match with this guy, I have a match with this guy, I have a match with this guy, I have a match with this guy, and there's always something going on. Someone's getting punched or someone's getting mad and these guys are you know all good competitors they have you know big long history of competing and they're getting mad at me maybe i'm the problem maybe maybe there's something that i'm doing that i'm that there's something that i'm doing wrong that makes them react that way so that was actually my hesitance to say yes to aj is that i just don't want him to be a butthead i don't i don't want to i don't want to get i'm i'm pretty cool head level headed you know i've fought a ton of guys um you know who uh it behooved me to stay calm and relax and just compete and, and not get worked up into their into their crap talking kind of a thing you know so i think i'll be able to stay level-headed against aj but i would hate for him to do like just not dirty but cheap kind of you know lowbrow uh, actions that make people mad enough to punch him in the in the head or to kick him in his back off the stage like you know um I'd hate for him to do something like that to me and make me mad, and then I have to work myself to stay calm. But yeah, coming up uh, June twenty third, twenty fourth, something like that. Uh, fight to fight to win pro. Uh, make sure you guys tune in and watch because it's going to be in a gi. Um, I'm excited to compete again to to get after to do something because uh, the uh, ACL surgery was you know six months ago, so it'll be almost six months uh, exactly. Uh, that I get back in there and, and compete live, and I'm excited for it. You know, I want that Adrian Peterson like you know ACL recovery uh, return. So this is that first step in the return. Absolutely, man. And I gotta and I gotta tell you because it came across kind of that we're you know having a meeting uh, with you know some of our uh, you know the other sites and whatnot. And you know, Flow Grappling was talking about your name came up, and you know I got a kick out of it because you know they know everybody knows we do this show together. And you know, and the thing is, let's, let's be clear. You know, like like Benson said, you know AJ is not very well liked. I mean, he's got some of the nicest guys in the world to slap him. I think Jake Shield slapped him. Uh, I know him and Dylan Dennis didn't get along well, but but he's no joke. I mean, he's he's a good grappler. Uh, he's tough. He's competed at you know the highest level, um, and and he he has a kind of a stigma personality uh, how he sells things. So you know this this is a this is a high. Uh, high caliber matchup between two high high level grapplers and and, uh, and I know Flow Grappling Squad super excited to have you on the show. Uh, they're excited to you know to to showcase you and like you said, this is the first step back. And you know, um, 
it, it's it, and I, and I I love the fact that flow flow combat flow grappling that we can kind of provide those things. I mean, uh, John Jones uh, before you know he's he's fighting Daniel Cormier in this rematch on the twenty fourth or 29th, whatever at UFC two fourteen. But uh, before any of that came around, he grappled at Submission Underground two for us, and it was the same kind of experience, you know, coming back off of uh, you know a, a long layoff and getting in there to uh, getting in there to compete. You know, to kind of get those feelings back. And, you know, that's what, you know, while Benson's waiting for this, uh, this next fight for Bellator to come around, this is a good, this is a good little scrap, you know, and hopefully we don't have to see, you know, Benson throw, throw any punches because, you know, I think it would take a lot for him to lose his professionalness and his discipline in martial arts. But I think, you know, it's important that AJ knows that he's, he's, he's not stepping in there with just some, uh, you know, random black belt. He's stepping in there against a black belt plus a world champion in mixed martial arts. You know, sometimes you got to remind these people. Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, first of all, the AJ, AJ is tough. AJ is good. Is a uh, IBJJF uh, Nogi World Champion. Um, I was there at the tournament when he won. He had a great tournament. Uh, beat some really tough guys. Uh, I don't. He has not yet won uh, Gi Worlds, uh, which is you know holds a little bit higher accolades winning Gi Worlds. Um, but I know he's placed a couple times, I believe, uh, at the black belt level uh, inside the Gi. Um, but he's tough as heck, you know, been training forever. I think he was a former college wrestler, uh, like myself. So, uh, he's, it's going to be a tough match. That's for sure. I'm, I'm not going in there expecting him to lay down for me. You know, I got a pretty big bullseye on my back, no matter what it is I do, whether it's a grappling match or a MMA fight, or if I go, you know, play pick up basketball at the local Y down the street, uh, there's a huge bullseye on my back. So I know AJ is going to bring his a game, um, and like you said, you know, having the chance to, I'm a competitor, you know, I'm, I'm not exactly a, uh, I am a mixed martial artist, but before that, you know, I'd say I'm just a competitor. I love to compete. I love to have fun, uh, whether, you know, the competition is tennis, whether it's uh, racquetball, whether it's, you know, uh, jujitsu, whether it's MMA, whether it's, you know, thumb war. I just love to compete. I love to have fun. I love to get my hand raised. Uh, so this is a, a great, you know, chance, a great opportunity. It's a, it's a great platform, too. Fight to, Fight to Win Pro has been having events for quite a while now, and they have a lot of events, and they give a great opportunity for uh, local guys they you know do a uh, show in denver they have you know three-fourths of the card is all local denver people denver uh, you know jiu-jitsu hobbyists who you know take it very seriously and they're able to go out there and showcase their skills their love of uh, jiu-jitsu on a bigger platform on a bigger stage these are guys who are you know really good you know perhaps trained with i know here in arizona uh at past fight to win pro events you know they had you know world champion uh augusto tequino mendez you know one of my one of my training partners uh compete so you have these guys who are super high level guys uh able to compete locally um so it's, it's just a, a great event uh, to be a part of you know I'm, I'm really looking forward to it's always nice to compete in your hometown you know so being able to compete here uh, in phoenix is is awesome for me now, keeping it under the flow, you know, the flow roof, uh, we, the last couple of weeks have been crazy on flow, you know, uh, flow combat always has, you know, a lot going on, but, you know, flow grappling had, uh, you know, a great match in, uh, you know, Buchesha versus the uh, Leandro Lowe, and then last weekend on flow wrestling was the world team trials. Uh, oh, oh, man, was that crazy or what? 
Yeah, the, I, I was glued uh, during the team trials. I couldn't catch all of it because there's just so much, and I, you know, pretty busy during those days, sadly. Uh, but man, the, going back and watching some of the matches, uh, Taylor versus uh, Cox. Oh, it was just uh, it was it was a good it was a good fun fun day fun fun weekend that weekend. Yeah, and and how about Jordan Burroughs going to you know the best of three with with uh, Kyle Dake? You know, oh, exactly. that's drama at its finest, right? Yeah, I mean, having to go to three, you know, Jordan Burroughs, Kyle Dake, four-time NCAA champion, two-time hot, like, it's just amazing. And for them to have the, the kind of match they did, I think what the match that was tied that went to Dake was, what, four to four? And then uh, Dake won it on criteria, uh, needing, pushing, pushing Burroughs, you know, what three-time four-time world champion olympic champion pushing him to the to the limit to the limit man it was just a uh, great wrestling great 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 wrestling uh all around and you know the thing with dake is that you know like like benson said he was a four-time you know national champion wrestler and he was he's kind of the guy that a lot of people figure is going to be next but he unfortunately competes at the same weight that burroughs does so rather than go around that weight and try anywhere else he's he's trying to go through Burroughs all the time and and up until the world team trials he'd never defeated Jordan in any in any match and then when he got that first one people were like whoa you know because Jordan you know had the you know misfire at the Olympics and wondering if you know if, if the same Jordan Burroughs is going to be back but then to see those guys battle the three like you said Jaden Cox and, and Taylor Taylor's another guy who came out same time as Dake you know I thought the uh uh, Tony Ramos and in uh, that matchup, you know Tony losing unsuspectedly, you know or unexpectedly. I I mean, but you know for for us at Flow, you know that's like you know the 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 tides are turning. Some you know that's the biggest wrestling event of the year, and you know the worlds are the biggest. You know outside of ADCC, you know like uh, everything's big, so it is. It feels really well, really good to be a part of that this family where you know we're, we're getting these big events and we're when we're executing perfectly and it's just it's just a great experience you know it feels like it's a great time to be a part of what we're doing at flow yeah i think if you uh if you are a fan of all of jujitsu like flow grappling is money it's where you're at you know but then if you get the the full bundle the full package or whatever like oh yeah i love jujitsu but then you know hey what's this wrestling thing going on oh yeah i heard of these guys oh yeah all the all the wrestler buddies at the gym talk about this jordan burroughs guy let me check him out if you're a wrestler you know flow wrestling is where it's at you get the whole package you know flow grappling oh hey i'm gonna check out this uh IBJJF, these guys wearing pajamas. I want to check these guys out. I hear a lot about these guys. Oh, oh this looks like a looks looks like a good sized guy. He looks pretty athletic. Let me let me check this out. Let me see what these guys are all about. Like I I, I am a fan of. Uh, I'm not being paid by Flow in any way, shape, or form. So I think I'm uh, as you know unbiased as they come. But Flow, I think, is where it's at. If you are a fan of wrestling, uh, jujitsu, grappling, uh, you know, combat sports, like. Flow got you covered. And yeah, you know, it's interesting enough that that's kind of the uphill battle we face at combat because, you know, grappling has the big tournaments and wrestling has the the best of the best where in combat when we launched this thing you know the UFC's there Bellator's there you know there's those are avenues we're never going to be able to corner in the first 
you know, 10 years. So what we've really put a focus on is highlighting prospects, really bringing some spotlight to the regional scene and, and, and telling those stories. And, and we have. I think we've done a, a, a better job than anybody that's done it before. You know, Fight Pass, uh, you know, Fight Pass is waffling to, to what I understand. You know, they, they bought up a bunch of events and you never see any promotion from the UFC at all. It's just programming to them. So with us, when we do an event like this weekend, we have, you know, KOP 56, we have NEF. Uh, 29 you know uh, every, the, the the main event guys will get interviews with us the there's a preview and a breakdown and, and then you know you get just it's kind of an experience and then you know when we find these prospects coming up like you know Dylan Calla who we mentioned who, who's, who's a lab affiliate uh, Hannah Ro- Ro- Rockala who's now who married Justin Scoggins so she's now Hannah Scoggins and you know she's 4-0 as an amateur you know there's a lot of people coming up where you know you're gonna get the first look at you know what they become you're gonna get that first look at flow and for for somebody like myself who's told, you know, guys like Benson and, you know, uh, like John Jones and these guys that are established, you know, it, it was a big uh, it was a big change of pace for me to go and maybe do some of these people's very first interviews they've ever done. And, you know, it caught me off guard because I'm I'm such like a humble dude, you know, that they'd be like, oh, my gosh, I, you know, I didn't you know, I didn't think I'd be talking to you. <laughs> you know, like I didn't know like Dwayne Finley was a thing, but, you know, it, it's kind of cool to to kind of see there and, and know that I can help them, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's I think it's awesome. Uh, uh, flow combat. The best thing you can do is start grassroots and build that actual legitimate, you know, fan base, not just you know clickbait type of fans, clickbait type of uh, people, you know, subscribing that sort of stuff. But actual grow a true strong uh, grassroots. Start from the bottom, build up. And then when you get so big, you kind of forget where you came from. You forget who your real fans are, and yada yada yada. So I think uh, uh, flow doing it, flow combat doing it that way, starting grassroots, starting small. You're going to have those guys. You're going to have Dylan Calla, who's you know uh, a stud, has been out to the lab a bunch of times. Uh, him, his coach, Uncle Jeff, uh, his training partner, one of my main training partners, uh, Scott Holtzman, who's been in the lab for his past. I don't know. 10 fights or so something like that before he was in the UFC he, he had already moved down and had a couple of training camps uh, for his fights before he made it to the UFC um, when you have guys like that like Dylan who eventually will make it to the UFC and he'll have such you know good memories fond um, you know uh, relations with flow combat I think that's the, the best thing you can do right there for sure Oh, oh, absolutely. And, and I'll tell you, you know, Benson, we talk about this, you know, uh, in our personal conversations, but, you know, the fight game is absolutely changing. And, and it's never been so as much highlighted as it is in 2017. I mean, the, the, the landscape with the UFC sale, the, the rise of Bellator, you know, putting on, you know, bigger shows and, and, and getting more legitimacy. You know, it, it's, it's created this shift. Well, I'll tell you on, MM, on the MMA media side, a lot of these sites that are well established that we've known for years are all based off the same model. You know, traffic equals ad sales equals revenue. And and this year has just been a you know without you know uh, Conor McGregor's around or Ronda Rousey around. You know, a lot of those big you know traffic getters ha- have gone by the wayside. So what do you do? That's why you look oh you know and and these are all friends of mine. But you look over on you know MMA Junkie and you see some crazy knockout from Russia or you know stuff that you never saw before. You know. 
I mean, uh, MMA fighting doing, you know, Bellator coverage, you know, uh, you know, no knock there, but you know, that's just something we never, we've never seen because it's all been UFC, uh, UFC, uh, so, so, so UFC strong. Well, at Flow Combat, you know, we, we generate our own content, but then we also have our own live events. So, you know, we, we get a different type of, uh, uh, we, we generate our revenue different. I think that's why once the, you know, you and I will be talking in 2018 and doing this show, we'll be, uh, well into, you know, building our, uh, building our archives and our library. But I, I'm telling you, brother, this thing, uh, at least from my side of it is not going to look the same a year from now. And I can guarantee it's not going to look the same from your side of it. I mean, you know, with, uh, you know, the NYC show coming up, you know, Beltro 181 and, you know, the pay-per-view there. I, I mean, I think that's a, I think that's a game changer. I think, you know, Scott Coker said it himself that, you know, he, you know, and you know, Scott, he's, you know, he's a legit down to earth dude. You know, he, he calls it like it is. He would say the UFC put on great stuff or whatever. He's not going to be, you know, nitpicking like that, but you know, he's got a, he's got a, a legitimate claim saying that this New York's, this, these New York cards are, is, is the best pay-per-view of the year. I mean, I think it's definitely up there. Oh, for sure. I mean, you're, you're having the man, the myth, the legend, the, you know, Fedor Emelianenko, a headlining card. And I don't care who you are, whether you're a casual fan or you're a hardcore fan, there's not much you can say bad about uh, Fedor. Um, you know, one of the, the best, arguably hands down, the best heavyweight fighter, of all, MMA fighter of all time, arguably, you know, the best pound for pound fighter of all time. Um, I think it's a, uh, you know, that speaks for itself. Then you have uh, all the other uh, big name fights in the card. Uh, you got Chandler versus Primus. You got um, uh, Larkin uh, versus Lima. I think um, they're doing it right. They're doing it right. The, the, that pay per view card is stacked. And if you're a fan of uh, mixed martial arts, you don't want to miss it. And you know what I love about it, Benson, is is before in the past with Bellator, you know, they would throw on uh, these big name guys, you know, guys that have recognizable names, and they would build they'd build the event around that. What I love about what's going on in this New York card is that it's the divisional pictures that are happening. You know that these things are going to work out in, in, to to create bigger storylines in the division. You know, at one seventy, you'll have you know Lima versus Larkin, and you know Rory will probably face the winner of that. And then you have Chandler and Primus, and then you're right there in that mix for that. You know, with your next fight and and how things go in that. And, and then you know uh, Bader and Davis, you know, bringing that 205 picture i love the fact that bellator is putting more focus on fleshing out divisions because that's what people you can't put on you know the uh the biggest name fights every two months you you know you can only do that once or twice a year but you can definitely have awesome shows with uh, featuring top talent in the world you know uh once a month i mean you you know you've you fought three or four times a year and you're always on big cards and you were you were always at the top of them you know now that you're in bellator are you looking around yourself saying damn you know i, I like the way this ship's moving Oh, for sure. I think uh, Scott has a proven track record. Scott Coker has a proven track record of building fighters and building, you know, organizations. You look at some of his fighters, Daniel Cormier. He is through and through. He will tell you himself out of his mouth. 
He's a Scott Coker guy. Scott Coker did every single match, made him, uh, built him up. Every single one of his fights, uh, right before we got to the uh, Strike Force, or right before we got to the UFC, while in Strike Force, he is a Scott Coker guy. Luke Rockle, former you know uh, UFC belt holder, he will tell you himself in with his own mouth. He will say that he's a Scott Coker guy. Uh, so Scott Coker definitely has a, a proven track record of building uh, great, you know, fighters. He matchmakes them quite, uh, very well, gets them good proper fights, helps them build as fighters, grow as fighters. Uh, same thing for the organizations. Um, I think he is given, has been given a great chance to help Bellator grow, to be as big as Bellator, as big as Viacom wants it to be. And, and and I totally agree. And, and my last question, because we're you know we're we're getting around the the timeline, but I couldn't, I, we couldn't do this show without me asking your your take on this. And I'm not trying, you know, to get into the you know the trash talk or anything. But as a fighter, I mean, you're a guy who's always you know uh, you know push the sense that fighters need to know their worth. Fighters need to push for their own self value or market value. And in in this past week, we saw one of probably the the, the nicest fighters in the world, uh, a play by the book fighter who's done everything that's been ever asked of him and who's risen to be one of the arguably pound for pound best guys. And Demetrius Johnson, Demetrius Johnson goes online, puts out a rant that just picks up fire. I mean, in, I mean, it went beyond just MMA media. It went you know to some mainstream outlets, and you know, and he pulls back the hood saying that. You know, uh, Dana White, you know, they, he was he originally was approached to fight Ray Borg uh, for that record 10th defense. And then Dana White circles back and says, no, you're not fighting uh, Ray Borg. He's out of the picture. You're going to fight TJ Dillashaw because Cody Garbrandt's injured. And now we want you to fight TJ. Well, Demetrius pushes back saying, for one, A, TJ's never fought at 25. So there's no proof he can make the weight. And if he doesn't make the weight, that puts his record, you know, record defense in jeopardy. But also the fact that, you know, uh, there was other threats made. You know, Dana White saying that, you know, he if he doesn't take the fight, he'll shut down the flyweight division. And then, you know, as Dana often does, Dana is interviewed by TMZ and, and, and openly contradicts himself saying, no, I've never said, you know, I know I didn't say that to, T, uh, to DJ, but yeah, we've been talking about it for three years. He knows. We've had that conversation. So, you know, that's Dana being Dana. But, you know, a, as a fighter who's dealt with it, as a fighter who's you know been there and handled his own negotiations and been in that room and been faced with some tough things, you know when you saw what what DJ was saying, you know it, did it just make did it just like are are you did it did it make you shake your head or did it evoke other thoughts? Well, for me, I knew because DJ and I actually I talked to DJ himself. Uh, him and I had a long two, three conversations when I was a free agent and I was working with um, or being a free agent, talking to the UFC and to Bellator and to 1FC and his coach, uh, Jeff Hume, is the president or, or head matchmaker or something like that for 1FC. So I talked to DJ uh, himself about his UFC contract, about my UFC contract, about what the UFC offered me. So I knew all the details already like of his contract, how much he was getting paid, um, some of the other stuff. And then when he finally came out and made a public statement, like, come on, man, DJ, he's one of the nicest dudes, literally not fighters on the planet, but he's one of the nicest people, dudes, period, on the planet. Super nice, super humble, super awesome, great fighter to boot, literally, unarguably, you know, he's, he's done it. He has, the, he has a record. He's going for the time, breaking the record, and look, he's put – these many people away in his record title events as he's has this many finishes and he always fights for a finish. He doesn't 
fight to hold on. Like he's he's just a great all round fighter. He he can do everything. Like he's he's the man. He's freaking he is the man. And for him to come out and say publicly what he has said and come out and say it in the manner and way and tone that he has said it to for me it's just like man like I know Dana White like we've talked many times he's he's a he's a nice enough dude like I don't have anything bad to say about Dana but for me it's like man Dana really you couldn't put together an offer good enough just for Dana to keep his mouth shut like really like as much money as you have as much money as we know the UFC has as much um, investors as you have and yada 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 you couldn't at least throw DJ enough money just to keep him quiet, just to keep him happy. Okay, hey, DJ, uh, you're not going to fight Ray Borg, but you're going to fight, you know, TJ. Okay, well, I don't want to fight TJ because he's never made the weight, and if he doesn't make the weight, then it's a non-title fight, and that takes my title, you know, record defense breaking number of times, world record, you know, takes that away. D- Dana should say, Dana should say, okay, well, How's ten mil sound? Is that is that is that okay? And then DJ says, "Yes, that sounds just fine. Like no problem. Like Dana, we know you have that. We know the UFC has that kind of money. You couldn't at least do something to just make him keep his mouth shut, just to keep him happy. Really, the best fighter you've ever had, the best fighter who's ever stepped in your cage doors, and you're gonna talk bad about him, and you're gonna make him so mad, so upset. You're gonna talk down to him. You're gonna you know degrade him and and." talk bad about him you know uh to the point where he he feels the need to go out and, and publicly say the things he you know he said but also too you know um just he, he's a great company man he's always done with the ufc said like we've gone through it. i talked to him and i uh ufc said to do this he said okay cool ufc you know hit me up and i had to go to i had to go to metro city off uh freaking like 36 hours like oh we need you to go to mexico city your flight leaves you know tomorrow afternoon i was like what no i I, you know i got my wife i got i can't just leave for such short notice like oh come on we really need you to do this dj has had to do that himself you know plenty of times he had to do this he had to do that he's gone out of his way he we we always said yes uh it's, it's just amazing to me that you have a company man like that and then you treat him so badly to where he's gonna wanna you know say the things he said to to go public it's as if you know the ufc wants nothing but drama uh to help their numbers to help people talk about them more which maybe that's what exactly what dana wants maybe dana is so smart he's doing reverse psychology and making dj be mad and making dj go public uh to get people to talk about DJ more, maybe that's the maybe that's the end goal, and he's a mastermind, uh, Dana White promoter that he is. Um, but it just boggles my mind that you can't treat your the best fighter who's ever stepped into your cage better than that. That, that is just mind boggling to me. Yeah, and you know, Benson, that that theory did make its way around the internet. You know, I saw people saying, "What if this is a work?" You know, but but Dana has a long track record of of throwing fighters under the bus and, and trashing them out. And, you know, and, I, for, I for sure know his track record in doing that. And and that's unfortunate, man. And I think that you know, with uh, you know, talking about scrapping that division. But the thing that the thing that cracked me up, obviously, and I, you know, of course, it's only one side of the story. It's DJ's, but I believe DJ because he's never you know given us any reason not to. But you know, in the part where DJ says that Dana said to him, "Well, well, well, why would you take this away from TJ?" You know, like really, like why would Demetrius care anything about TJ Dillashaw and an opportunity? I mean, seriously, like you know, and and then of course. 
as soon as DJ says no, here comes the narrative from Dana saying that, oh, he's scared to fight him, or blah, 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 this, blah, 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 that, or in your own signature words, you know, yada, yada, yada. And, uh, and it just, it just, that's just the crap that, that makes me think that, you know, when you look over, and not to, you know, uh, boost Bellator, you know, any more than I naturally do, but, you know, Scott Coker is just not that type of promoter that, that would do that, you know, and, and you look at people coming over and, and what they say, you know, I know Matt Mitrione personally, uh, Ryan Bader, I know yourself, you know, everybody who's gone over seems to really enjoy how they're treated there, uh, and how they're treated all the way around through, you know, from fight night to promotional, to promotional things, man, that I think now fighters in 2017 are really waking up, you know, hey, what, what, what cracks me up though, and we can end it on this note, uh, after I get your take on it, but, you know, if you look, it's so funny that, you know, uh, TJ Dillashaw, and I don't have anything personal against TJ, but, you know, he was one of those guys on the front lines of that, you know, MMAA, you know, the, you know, the, association with Bjorn Rebney and, you know, uh, they came out and all this and, you know, TJ talking about, you know, uh, better treatment, more transparency. And then now he's on, now he's, now he's on the front lines of pushing to, uh, for mistreatment on a fighter who's who's being leveraged by a promotion. It just seems so hypocritical to me that this guy was saying, "Oh, we need this, we need that." And now Dana's like his uh, his 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 uh, number one cheerleader to try to get this fight and, and belittling, you know, uh, a guy who's done so much for him. Doesn't that just seem odd to you as a fighter? Yeah, I think it for sure seems odd. Um, I think my take on that ultimately like TJ doing, saying whatever, you know, um, it just, to me, fighting can't define me. Fighting can't define you. It can't be who you are. Uh, you can't let, you know, your job dictate how you're viewed. Um, something I tried very hard. I was super conscious of, I was very aware of in my time, you know, with Bellator and with UFC of not letting, you know, fighting, not letting Dana White, uh, dictate who I am, uh, how I'm perceived, uh, you know, what you say about me and yada, yada, yada. I, I, I just, and DJ has done that. DJ was very conscious of it. He was himself. He wasn't going to sell his soul. He wasn't going to be fake and, and, you know, start talking mad crap and becoming somebody he's not. Uh, and DJ has done that. So it, I don't know. It just kind of saddens me that such a good guy who's not going to sell his soul for the sake of, you know, easy money and, and becoming fake and but being real and true to himself that he has had to, uh, have this happen to him, uh, when he should be, you know, celebrating a great moment, a great time, a great period of his life right now. Um, and you know, for TJ, uh, the stance that he has taken, you know, he may not be in the forefront doing pushing for the DJ fight. He may not be the one himself, um, saying certain things or whatever, but you're, you're allowing your name to be used to bully, to push, to uh, intimidate, other fighters, the greatest fighter to step inside the UFC octagon cage door. Uh, so, like, I think uh, as a fighter, as a person, uh, maybe TJ could take a, a bigger stance and being outgoing and saying, "Hey, you know, that's Dana White's opinion. That's that's Dana's stance. Uh, he's using my name, but it's not exactly how I feel." And yada yada yada. He can say whatever he wants to say, but uh, if you know, if that were me, I'd definitely 
want to speak up for myself, uh, speak up and, and say things myself uh, about, you know, the matchup and the offer and yada, yada, yada. And, and that's what I wanted to hear right there, folks. That's what you get with Benson, man. You always get the real talk, and it always comes in smooth. So right there, folks, I know we gave, we gave you an extra, uh, an extra, you know, uh, a, a, a plus-size edition of the Smooth and Bow Show, but, you know, we missed you guys, you know, and we missed, uh, we, you know, we had our, our schedules, we had our things, but now we're back. Uh, you'll catch us every week on Flow Combat. So uh, until, that, until then, you know, we'll, uh, we'll take care, and we'll catch up with you soon. Uh, thanks, guys. Hope you guys didn't miss us too much. <laughs> of course they did, Benson. Come on. <laughs>